Nazi puns fuck off. You're listening to They Came from the Silver Screen. As always, I'm Josh, and with me is Damien. How are we doing, Damien? I'm doing fantastic. I'm not a Nazi. I'm going fantastic. I think we can both attest to the fact that we are not Nazis, which is good. Feels good. Feels right. Last week, we were doing uh, Captain America. We found out that he's basically a Nazi now. Mm. Uh, We're doing a film that is... Uh, I, I would say anti-neo-Nazi. Absolutely. And and str- takes a strong stance, as it should. That's putting it mildly, but <laughs> we can get into that more in a minute. Absolutely. Well, listeners, as we said, as we said last week, we mixed it up a little bit. We changed the schedule, flipped a switch, and uh, this week we did uh, Jeremy Solnair's uh, Green Room. Written and directed by the man himself. So this is his... Uh, third film? Third, third feature after Murder Party in 2007 and then uh, Blue Room in uh, 2013. Mm. So he hasn't, he hasn't done a lot, but man, you wouldn't know it from this film. No, I mean, like, because he's a cinematographer as well, which, I mean, we can we can talk about in a minute. But, I mean, already, like, you know, for a third feature, the eye for detail and shots and lighting and things like that on a technical side is just off the chain. And the fact that he writes all his own material as well just proves that this is a guy that is going to be going places and we're going to be hearing about him for many years to come. Yeah, well, I certainly hope so. Oh well, fingers crossed. Anyway, yeah. I mean, odds. I mean, odds are. I mean, someone who you know does an indie movie this good. I mean, ten to one, they'll get picked up by some studio in like two or three years' time to tackle some remake of some soulless, you know, blockbuster series or something like that. Much in the same way that yeah, Godzilla. Godzilla came out of monsters and all of that. Gareth Edwards, you know, Colin Trevorrow. Um, uh, did Safety Not Guaranteed and then got uh, Jurassic World and now uh, Star Wars 9, which is a pretty decent, that's, uh, you know. That's a big leap. That's a pretty big, uh, you know, leap in terms of uh, your first, second and third film. Yeah. it's <laughs> You know, you go, for, you go from an indie film about a time machine that, like, you know, doesn't quite work for less than a million dollars and now you're making – uh, statements in interviews saying that you want to shoot in space. Go hard or go home, I guess. I, I really guess that is true, <laughs> which I think, you know, thankfully and quite appropriately um, gives us a very nice segue back into um, the film uh, that we're actually meant to be discussing this week. We've uh, kept our alternate film preamble incredibly brief this week. I think we should be proud of ourselves for that even though technically by proxy we did still mention a steven spielberg movie again we it's it's part of the <laughs> it's part of our contract yeah it's uh, in our, we, it's in our writer yeah we can't um really go into that detail there's a lot of litigious stuff that uh you know boys are get upset if we sort of you know spoke about it but uh yeah that's that's basically it but um well look i mean let's i kind of want to like address um uh before, you know as a as a way in, I guess, uh, just the the tone of the tone of this film, hmm. yeah, okay. and what, yeah, and, what and and what it does in terms of um, being a horror film and a thriller film by basically uh, for the first half hour forty minutes uh, making us forget that that is what it actually is. Yeah, this um, this actually reminded me a lot of in like. In the fact that it played played it straight for the first half hour and didn't really, um, yeah, didn't didn't really give a shit that it was going to become such a audacious thriller, I would say, because mm. it it goes it it bumps itself up real quickly when it changes, yeah. but um, a lot like uh, how from dusk till dawn uh, was. Basically, a you know, it was a completely different film up until uh, they got into the vampires. Yeah, and a sort is, of a road trip, you know, crime caper. Yeah, this was yeah, this was yeah, and this was you know, this is you know, so premise of the of the film is uh, you know, punk rock rock band is going on on tour and all of that, 
Um, Very and, unsuccessful tour. Yeah, well, yeah, it gets it gets um, the show that they were promised um, gets uh, shut down because of the um, relationship that the that the interviewer or that the radio guy has with the venue. Mm. Um, so in order to make it up for him, he gets a play, he gets a, a gig for them out with his cousin, uh, which happens to be at a neo-Nazi uh, uh, clubhouse. Yeah, basically, as you uh, do. Yeah, and yeah, and it's you know, and it starts off just you know a standard punk rock sort of vibe. You know, they're traveling up, uh, you know, the Pacific Northwest. It just, could have been like you know, if you did, if you didn't know what the movie was about, you could have almost assumed that that's what the entire film was actually going to be about—just a, a almost like a band road trip movie. Mm, but you a know, very like, like, still like dark. Almost, yeah, like almost famous or something like that. That's mm. just you know this band trying to do right and and get by and survive, and you lose yourself in the um, you know relationships of the the band members and everything like that and their plight and, you know, the search for success and, you know, their discussions of their music kind of just all are beautiful little like uh, narrative baubles that uh, take your guard off. Mm. Well, it does seem like it is like this, like we could have had another film purely about them and then it flows right into this pit Mm. and then it goes into basically an entirely different film when it goes. Cause yeah, we start off like they seem very established and all of that. They, they get on well, well, they get on well together in, um, in terms of the, the characters interacting, you know, the first time we see them, you know, down in their luck sort of very much, um, you know, early punk rock sort of vibe, you know, they're siphoning fuel in yeah. order to make ends meet. And like, that's how we do it. And, you know, and you know, Credit where credit's due, you like it ties back at the end of it all as well. Yeah. So and that that's pretty good. Yeah, but um Yeah, so that yeah, they go off, they go to the the, uh, the neo-Nazi club and then they uh, they witness a murder. Mm-hmm. And then shit starts hitting the fan real quick. Absolutely. And we get uh, you know, a couple of uh main players and the things I like uh you know about uh you know, uh, Solnia's films is that all the bit players, even if they only have a couple of lines, they're they're cast such that you've got you know very well established um, ideas of who these people are, and they leave an imprint on you, even if they only say a couple of lines. Like you've got uh, Worm, the guy that does the girl in, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Big Justin, the uh, yep, the the. The, the bouncer, bouncer body, yeah. bodyguard uh, type guy. And then you've got, um, I forget his name, the guy that uh, does the, uh, all of the, uh, the main, Gabe. Gabe, Gabe. Yeah, 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 the, the, guy, the main the guy crony. that runs the place, which is actually played by Macon Blair, who um, is uh, old, old mates with uh, Solnia and was actually the star of uh, his previous film, yeah. Blue Ruin. Oh, yeah, it kind of, it, it showed that, uh, he was kind of a, a favorite in in that he was he was the most likable character in the entire yeah. film, and he was the sort of one that actually got a bit of a redemption arc. Yeah, which we can come to, you know, in in a minute. But mm. yeah, it's that kind of like you know, beautiful like. Um, I mean, this is this is a movie that like you know absolutely understands that it's a genre piece. You know, but embraces that with this real gritty nuts and bolts, you know, salt of the earth style of filming that kind of made me think of, you know, um, you know, early John Carpenter. Mm, yeah. Like absolutely. Assault Assault on Precinct Thirteen, you know, or or even, you know, um early, you know, Tarantino or things like that in terms of uh uh, movies that were, you know, sort of quite dialogue heavy, and then you just have these brief, you know, punctuated explosions of extreme violence. Yeah, I think this um, Sayer's um, way of doing this, like it was, it seemed like he was, it was a reaction to like a Tarantino style film that yeah. it was, um, you know, 
he you know he had the little um the little monologues and all of that um you know halfway through the film they talk um you know the main character um pat played by anton uh yelchin is um you know he tries to tell like the the paintball uh story and he like mm. gets like gets cut off sort of thing like Whereas like Tarantino world, that would have gone on. It would have been a big hero sort of story. And it's like, no, this is not, this is not that sort of film. It's, it's, it is quite cool in that sense, in the way that uh, this, you know, it pays homage to, you know, all these, you know, separate film styles and, you know, writing styles and, you know, gives lip service to these movies and directors, but then goes out of its way to absolutely undercut those, um, you know, influences at every turn and basically say, oh, you thought it was going to be this? Nope. Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, it it beautifully sets those sort of things up and it um, – you know, it, but it's got all those – it's got the same beats as a lot of other films, but it just mm. takes takes them in a refreshing pace. Yeah, I liked I liked how it you know it embraced the the facts of its genre conventions without being slavish to them. It was mm. aware of it, you know. Case in point with um, you know uh, the speech that Yelchin does about the paintball and everything like that, and then Imogen Poot's character basically just says, "What is this meant to be? Some sort of pep talk?" Mm. Yeah. And so it immediately it immediately just shatters the the kind of um, you know come on, we can do it sort of, you know, hopefulness that other movies might have had at this point, yeah. you know, especially considering what like just came before, which, you know, I mean, the the makeup and special effects department on this movie need oh my a, God. Fucking, a fucking medal for, you know, the work that they, you know, I felt did. very the, uncomfortable. Yeah, the crux, the crux of, you know, this uh, – the movie is basically the the title the title being the the green room out the back of the stage where the band hangs before they go play and where they basically have hold themselves up uh to stay safe from these nazis that all basically want them dead and you have this insane standoff between um you know the band members ain't rights and uh darcy who we haven't really spoken about yet who's the the main uh head guy played by of all people patrick stewart and the tension it was it was hitchcockian in how it was so simplistic it was just back and forthing a bit of you know um uh haggling almost over you know to give it to give this gun away or keep the bullets or not and then just when you finally think that maybe something might be okay they just rip the rug out from under you that was yeah they 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 set it up and they they give you little um little hints about what's going to happen and they set up the fact that like the um the soldiers in this um in in within the neo-nazis are the uh the red laces yeah it's something that like is people aspire to because, you know, Gabe wants to become it, you know, which actually I was surprised that I thought he was a lot higher up than he was. Yeah. Um, until, until, you know, Darcy was like, oh, you know, you've, you've earned these mm. sort of thing. But yeah, like the soldiers sort of like the heavy hitters are, are the, the red laces. And that was the signifier of shit is going to go down. Like when Imogen Poot's character, Amber is, is checking out, when they're making that sort of exchange because they have a gun and, um, and it's, oh, it, Patrick I mean, Stewart does downplay himself. Yeah. Which I think, which I think is part of the, uh, you know, terror. Uh, charm of it. Well, the charm and the terror of it. And I think, I think, um, he might've been cast with, you know, I think they were they would have assumed that people knew who he was mm. and like what he usually played and what he was usually good at and so you are able to bring this notion of you know real uh gravitas and authority and everything like that and a sense of power that you've seen him you know portray in you know theater film and you know television and everything like that but then completely underplay it and turn all of those characteristics which in so many and most of the movies he's in are usually um forces of good and to basically have 
the the perception of Patrick Stewart as an actor utterly perverted by you know this movie I think is one of the the great powers of having him as the character because you just you, you straight up don't know what he's capable of yeah absolutely yeah it's another example of of this film um taking a something that you know and and flipping it on its head or delivering it to you in a new in a new way mm. it kind of harkens back to that old grindhouse movie tradition yeah. where you know these films would have you know a pretty you know, pretty small budget and they'd have enough to um, bring some well-known name actor on set for a day to smash through like a bunch of scenes playing the big bad and then they're gone. And it was the, all about that subversion of audience expectation about being drawn in thinking they're going to watch this hero you know, in another movie and it turns out that they're the exact opposite and you mm. get this visceral sense of uh, surprise I was... and pleasure, you know, it, uh, well, pleasure is the wrong word, but it kind of like a, well, it's stimulating. It's a cathartic experience, yeah. not, uh, not knowing, you know, what might happen. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, yeah, some of the things that, you know, Stuart was saying, you know, some of the lines and all of that, it just, it really took me back. It was like, Oh shit. This is Patrick Stewart saying these things, and like this is John. This is John Luke Picard. Yeah, like this does not. This is not right. This is this and guy, I this love guy, it. Yeah, yeah. This guy's saved the galaxy like, more times than I can count, and he's done so much for mutant rights. And now here he is. Well, he's condemning all rights. Yeah, I mean, good thing Magneto didn't see him because he, he'd have something to say about Nazis. Absolutely. <laughs> This, I want to go back to the um, the point you made about like the the characters being so fleshed out and them mm. being um, no, so thought out. So the the main so the the girl who gets killed killed off Emily and then um, the cousin of the uh, of the interviewer. Um, you know, halfway through the film, they come you know come in after a lot of people have like. So I guess we need to back up a bit and go, you know, people die real quick in this in real gruesome yeah. ways. It's, um, you know, it's, it's uh, I guess it's one of the limits of uh, the, the podcast format that any sort of attempts we could possibly make to explain. No, what, you should have watched this film, people. What, 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 actually, what actually happened. I mean, I can think of no better advertisement than this. There is nothing that I can possibly say that can adequately describe exactly the the shit that goes on in this movie in terms of uh, just the most remorseless displays of violence I have it is ever remorse, seen. Like remorseless, like violence and gore, and it I've I was feeling real uncomfortable. You know, it's quick and it's brutal and and it's and, and it's it's, uh, it's earned. That's the thing. Yes, it's it's not exploitative. Yeah, and it, that's it shows what, and that's that how what it makes, is, and, that, and it's, yeah, <sighs> and that's what makes it hard to watch. It's it's really hard to watch. Like yeah. you know, you bring in you bring in uh, you know a, a dog and all of that, mm. and Jesus Christ, people, go see this film. Yeah. This is it is in, insane. But yeah, so like. But just as you say, yeah, they have that, that, you know, they make that attempt to, all right, let's just, you know, they do the standard, you know, uh, sheltered, you know, teen in a haunted house thing of grabbing some weapons and they're going to fight their way out. They're going to do it. And it's a non-starter. Yeah. And it, you know, it it goes back and forth to the, into the green room. Yeah. Every attempt to leave is thwarted before it even starts. And every single time someone dies there is a actual like you know pound of flesh cost for like every mistake that these kids make and it's yeah it's just and it's honest mistake sort of thing you know it's yeah. and it's you know the bravado of you know of one character of um i believe it's uh reese uh played yeah. by joe cole um you know he's he's the the macho man of the group and all of that and of and of course he gets you know, he gets knocked down a peg in a in a real sudden manner, mm-hmm. and it's 
it is just, it is, you know, and even, you know, even, uh, you know, the bravado of big Justin, that gets, that gets changed real quick. Exactly. And real mercilessly. Mm. And it's, it's a kind of, it's the mercilessness of it. I think, Uh, you know, we sort of, I don't know, maybe we're sort of like harping on about this a lot, but it's just such a refreshing look at how a movie like this can be made and what it can actually say about the nature of violence and about, you know, uh, Mm. how we react in these circumstances. I mean, the thing about it all is like these, these kids are like terrified and not in like the schlocky Friday the 13th. They are shaken, you know, Halloween type way. This is proper PTSD shit. You know, this guy that, you know, um, uh, that basically, uh, you know, sorry, you know, Joe Cole Reese, you know, who plays, who plays the macho, you know, grandstander, you yeah, know, chokes, ju- you know, big Justin guy, yeah. And everything like that. But like, it just even on the, over the course of him doing that, you see his stomach turn. Mm. You see him lose the taste for it, you know, almost straight away. You know, uh, Anton Yelchin negotiating, you know, in tears the entire time, just terrified. It's, I just, you know, I I can't, I can't love this movie enough. It's just such a refreshing. What's really good about it is that, so you've got like the four band members, um, you've got the four band members and then you've got um, Image and Poot's character, Amber who basically is a might be a Nazi. Well, she's, she like, she is a villain. Like she is a villain who in this film has been, uh, has uh, been put into the situation where she is a, a protagonist At, because, you know, she does, she does a lot of the heinous shit. Mm. She racks up, she racks up a kill count. Yeah, I, mean, I think we've seen, far we've... more. Like there is the dog, and then there's her. Those are the two yeah. people with the highest kill counts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's actually true. I hadn't thought of it like that. And I mean, and we've seen her sort of, you know, do some hard movies before. I mean, you know, Twenty Eight Weeks Later, and uh, you know, Centurion as well with uh, you know Michael Fassbender. But I don't think we've ever seen her just bring the rain as yeah, this, this hard-hitting, rem- you know, just like, you know, merciless woman willing to do what it takes when the guys kind of won't. Yeah. And, yeah, she is doing it. Oh. Actually, her and Shawcat, they both, like, do um, – they do stand up in those, in mm. those moments. Yeah. And it's just – you know, her best, you know, so Amber's friend, you know, Imogen Poot's you know, best friend has died. She's shaken when you first meet mm. her. So it does look like she is the uh, damsel in distress sort of thing. That's how she's established. And yeah. they, they turn that around pretty quickly. Mm. So they pretty damn fast. Um, you know, I'm sure I've seen um, someone get disemboweled in a film before, but I don't know if I've ever actually just, um, like a zipper, like a goddamn zipper with that box cutter. I think it's just like, it's, and we're going to talk about violence in this film a lot because it is, it is the prime motivating force in terms of, um, you know, the theme of what this movie kind of is about in terms of, um, the relentless hatred Mm. of, um, you know, the, the Nazis in this, or neo-Nazis, sorry, in this movie. And, I mean, you could argue that they're representative of ideology in general as well. I mean, the movie seems to make a pretty strong case that extreme violence is the only recourse mm. to dealing with uh, these types of people. Well, there's, yeah. no, there's no point negotiating, and they prove quite quickly that negotiating with these people just ends in absolute bloodshed. You know, they try to, you know, just uh, do half measures, you know, choke choke big Justin out, and they think they've done it, and the movie says, no, that's not enough. Well, it starts- And he comes, ba- and, and he comes back, and then 
you know, uh, Poot's character just takes the box cutter and eviscerates this guy from, from, you know, belly to tits. And yeah. that's it. Well, okay, so it starts off. So that bit, so that sort of um, you know, theme starts off with um, with Shawcat, uh, Shawcat's character saying about uh, about the deceased girl. You know, oh, maybe she's not dead. You know, there's no there's no blood. You know, she's got a knife in her head. You know, in her through her, you know in her skull, pretty deep. It's like, oh, there's no blood. There's no blood. There's nothing that. So the guy who killed her. Grabs the body, drags it, and then pulls out the knife. Then to mm. there's the blood. Yeah, and it's like, you know, yeah, there wasn't any blood because there wasn't mm. the goddamn knife out. This is the sort of film that you are getting yourselves into. This is yeah, yeah. This is the story that you're in in now, kids. This ain't goddamn Neverland anymore. <sighs> nope. Yeah, before we before we went off and we started talking about the violence and all of that with it, which kind of you know, so there is the back and forth of trying to get out of the green room, going back into the green room. There are less people in that room than when mm. than when they left it. So there is that there is that that happens, and you kind of get like about three quarters of the way through. You're like, how is this film going to last any longer? Mm. And then you establish the uh, the storyline of uh, of of Daniel and and Emily, so the dead girl and the cousin of the interviewer. Um, and then once again, they've got a fleshed out story, and they've got their own goals within it. You know, they that were, of a really you know being it's um, not a articulated big by the film, but it's it's just there and it's already fully formed. Yeah, it's there and it and it fits perfectly into this. You know, they're they're you know they're going to elope. Basically, they're getting out of the they're getting out of the of the the basically a cult. Yeah. Um, you know, they're getting out of it, and and the, the subtle clues. You know, Daniel's not at the you know he's not at the he's not at the bar at the moment because he's he's warming the car up because he's getting out. Yeah. You know, he's getting out when uh, when uh, Flesh Dog plays. Exactly. So, um, you know, they're getting – so there's that. It's very a, subtle things. And a nice little turn by Mark Webber. Yeah. As uh, Daniel, who, uh, you know, I haven't actually um, seen in a movie since uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Absolutely. Yeah. And he is – I like him as an actor. I don't mm. – like, you don't see him in too many things, but I like him. Yeah. And you kind of saw him. You kind of saw him in this, and you know the same goes with uh, with you know Big Justin. You see him in a lot of things. You know, pretty mm. sure I've seen Gabe in a lot of things as well. Like they they've cropped yeah. up. They crop up. They crop up. And I thought you know, um, you know, Mark Webber would just be another one of just like oh yeah, it's just you know it's just a, a a small part sort of thing. You know, he's just at the you know he's just seen around. He's just the cousin, and they bring mm. him in, and it's like, and he's got a a bigger meaning to the to the plot well to yeah. to a plot not necessarily the plot of this film though it does intertwine with it and the the once again it's the end of another plot uh, another another movie being ended in this film mm. which is, is um you know in terms of him uh you know basically turning sides basically yeah and uh, and decide and deciding to uh help the kids and again you know the movie you know beautifully uh sweeps away expectations by basically you know five minutes after this guy turns coat and he's getting ready to announce his big plan on how they're going to get out and what they're going to do <laughs> yeah he gets absolutely blown away quite literally yeah and, it, and, that, and that is and, a very tarantino sort of thing it's like yeah setting it up setting it up bam it's also very in keeping with like the ethos that Solnier seems to be actually mm you know, uh, espousing in this movie where he says, I don't give a shit if this Nazi turned coat. No there one's is redeemable. No, there, is, there is no way, uh, you know, they are going to be saved by Nazis. Mm. That's not what this story is going to be, and there's no way this guy gets to, you know, come out and be a hero. You know? I don't think anyone comes these, out to be these, a hero. Yeah, these choices have consequences. Mm. 
and really, really, no. If they were going to fully um, realize that, Imogen Poot's character probably shouldn't have survived. Mm. She was the one person that, um, I guess she's ambiguous. She was ambiguous. Like she wasn't. I think she she did state that she wasn't she wasn't a Nazi or she wasn't one yeah. of them. Just what, she, one of those girls that kind of just hung around. Yeah, just she a, thought it was a cool. group. A groupie yeah, who was selling groupie, drugs. Basically. Yeah. yeah. You know, they would, she was doing that sort of thing. And then I, I guess, you know, it's, yeah, very much the same of what biker gangs do. You know, they've got the old ladies that kind of hang around, but they're never part of the gang. Yeah. They never, they're never privy to the, you know, inside secrets or anything like that. To men's so, business. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, yeah. So, um, I guess she, I guess, you know, it's that loophole of like, yeah, she's kind of like, she's a villain. Like she's not a good mm. person. No, and she, the, some of the stuff that she does in this movie kind of, you know, puts paid any notions of, uh, you know, redeemable grandeur or anything like that. I mean, using your, your best mate's body as a, as a fucking like, you know, bullet magnet decoy. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lack of, um, just to count down the shots kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, there's a brutal pragmatism to a character, which, you know, I don't know if like that's what you know Sonia is saying, in, like in terms of like the fact that she comes out of this like the least injured and the least. Well, yeah, she gets shot up a bit know, in the leg, but no, yeah. she doesn't get her arm hacked up, up, carved up like a fucking <sighs> Sunday roast. Ooh, ah, yeah, every time I think of that, oh man. That yeah, that's just heinous. I can't. <laughs> Shit. Oh, it's oh so bad. man. But at the same time, so yeah, so yeah, she is a. But she is the one that gets things done. Yeah. Like she, like you know, they set up that you know Pat's going to be you know he's got the machete and all of that, and he's going to have his heroic moment where he's going to take out the, you know, one of the red the the red laces. Uh, with the machete and all of that, because he doesn't have any shotgun shells anymore. So it's, you know, it's an even match sort of thing, you know, a trained mm. basically killer against this, uh, against this punk rock uh, guitarist. So it's just, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, he doesn't, he's not going to do anything. He's, yeah. he's still a, like, he's a fish out of water in this. You have to understand yeah. that he does not belong here. This is not his world, but it is Imogen Poot's world. Yeah. And she plays it well. Mm. She's the one who sorts out. You know, she's the one that you know makes the plans that you know come together. She's the yeah. one that you know gets the job done when no one else is going to do the dirty work. Mm. I think she survives the best because she she thinks the least. Of everyone in this movie, the the like the bands or the kids in the band, the ain't rights. They still have this fundamentally flawed um, notion that you know they can possibly appeal to logic or the the inherent goodness mm. of these people that you know diplomatic and kindly you know words will uh, you know yeah yeah fix whereas, this. She scoffs entirely at you know any notions they have of actually trying to get out of this. She's like, "Look, we're probably all going to die," mm. and it's because she she has nothing but contempt for you know these people and holds their lives in such low regard that she actually comes out all right. Yeah, it. And she still just doesn't care. It's not like she's ever, you know, this isn't a George Clooney film where she's a bad person that becomes slightly better after a series of events. No, she's still the same person. This doesn't change her. Well, I mean, you know, that last line of the movie, we have this like wonderful little through line of like, you know, the bands all having their uh, desert island band that they'd, uh, you know, one band that they could bring with them. And in the interview, they all list the... uh, standard you know or expected you know punk rock influences and then later on in the movie you know when they're 
finally going to like go do or die. They actually list their real favorites, mm. which are decidedly non-punk. And, uh, you know, Anton's character, Pat, you know, he, he can't think of for one. some reason, just can't, can't think of one for whatever reason. And then at the last, you know, he basically suddenly realizes that he's worked it out and she doesn't give a shit. She says, yeah. tell someone who gives a fuck. That's the end of the movie. And it just, yeah. And uh, it's so good. Cause it, yeah, it's just, it's the end note is like you, you're waiting for, you, you're not waiting for it, but like you expect like narratively, yeah, that payoff's going to happen because he's mm. said that he doesn't know for so long. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, yeah, you, you know, you're not getting that. You're still not getting it. It's kind of like that, um, you know, notion of like, you know, uh, him, him like discovering or thinking like what his desert island band would be kind of seems to work in uh, unison with like him coming to terms with uh, being brave and, you know, being, you know, a stronger version of himself and everything like that. And so him coming to the end of, you know, the confrontation with, uh, you know, Darcy and everything like that in the field and with his dead friends, like, you know, five metres away from him, he he wants to have this epiphany. Mm. He well, wants you- to have he wants to have this, like, grand, like, you know, eureka moment that that makes somehow everything that's happened worth it. And that's why I think, like, Poots is the, the, uh, the voice of Solnia, where she's like, are you kidding? Who the fuck gives a shit that you've you, you've you've learned something? Everyone's dead. Nothing changed. This is not a victory. Yeah, you you're really worse for wear, buddy. Yeah, these probably going to die of blood loss. Your mates are dead. You have murdered several people. Yeah, that's not going to be easy for you. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah, if the if the cops don't get you, the PTSD will. Yeah. I just love like, you know, there's a there's a there's a deliberate um vagueness to like certain certain parts of the film in terms of like it doesn't it doesn't delve into things more than necessary. And in terms of the machinations that Darcy and his men go through in the back, like you kind of understand in theory what they're trying to do, but they never really sort of go into detail. Like he throws out lines like um uh, you know, uh later for time of death is better. Mm. And you know, forensic doesn't matter anymore. And you're just like, why? Why those things? Why doesn't it matter anymore? And you know, it's just it kind of just it it makes this sort of an almost like a greater conspiracy than what it is. It makes it like part of a larger sort of you know thing. I think. Or, I don't yeah, know. What, no, like, what, do you, yeah, what, what yeah. do you reckon about that? No, because okay, so they they say things and they don't explain them, but then they don't say anything in some regards. So, you know, in the, underneath the green room is a drug lab. Yeah. That they find. And the band talks about it, but the Nazis never talk about it. They mm. know it's there. They don't need to talk about it. They don't need yeah. to play exposition. Like, the, yeah, they, they're not going to give this, this film isn't going to spoon feed you like yeah. facts or anything like that, it's going to say, it's going to say it, say everything organically and it's going to be natural. And if it's not, it's not in there. Yeah. It'll tell you what you need to know and nothing more. Yeah. Which is right because it keeps you on the same level of ignorance as the, uh, you know, band. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because you, you quite literally don't know, you know, in so many of these movies, you'll have the bad guys, you know, monologue, you know, a page and a half of exposition about what they're going to do. So, you know, they build tension by you knowing something that the main characters don't, whereas this movie has basically decided to throw you in the same boat. And so you don't know either. And so you discover at the exact same moment that they do. Uh, And that's what makes it visceral. Yeah. It's, it's really well written in that regards that it doesn't mm. it doesn't treat you like you need to know everything. Yeah. To enjoy a film. You can have questions after. Like you could have you could have said, you know, you could have had like flashbacks of of, of Daniel and Emily, you know, getting mm. ready to like 
get out of there, you know, or more about like what exactly, you know, um, you know, Emily and Amber were doing in there, yeah. what their relationship was in that. Like, were they actually friends or they just like, they were just two of the girls there that had joined up together because they were the only girls there. Like, yeah, and how do, like, they, how do they get found out? Yeah, you could. Yeah, how do they? Yeah, what led to the murder? You don't know that. Like, mm. do, do you actually find that out? I'm pretty well, sure you don't. The, I think only in the sense that they 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 knew that she was going to run away. Mm. So, but only her. Yeah, not about they Daniel. Didn't know, they, they didn't know that Daniel was involved, but but that's it. Because the because it was the band that killed. It was the, the you know the the lit the um, headlining band that killed her, and I they seemed so. like they weren't um, they weren't directly affiliated with uh, the group mm. that they were you know they were you know, they were a band they were a Nazi band that traveled around like that's mm. what it that's what it seemed like once again we don't get those answers <laughs> like it yeah. doesn't matter <laughs> like it's uh, just it's just uh, window dressing yeah it's. And it's just, listen, like, listen, this happened. You're going to see the repercussions of it. That's it. Don't expect mm. anything else. And you you really don't get who Darcy is. Nah. He's, he owns don't, the don't, place, maybe. He owns the place. He's, he's somehow in charge. Yeah. There's a guy That's who... It. Who, that, that's, that's all you know. Yeah. There's a guy who does the books, but he also has all these dogs as well. Mm. You know, is he connected? Is he directly connected with her or is he not? It's like, you don't know. He's got dogs and the dogs are going to do stuff. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Right. And, you know, a lesser film would have, you know, the would have put in an epilogue with the police. Yeah. To you know, kind of where like are they now, up, sort of thing. Yeah. To wrap it up, and be like, yeah, do something else. You know, have. Uh, and I'm so glad they didn't. Ah, oh, and they they could have. You know, they've got Gabe there. You know, to to be that sort of that. Um, you know, the chorus talking yeah, about to, you know witness and comment on everything and yeah. And then you know, I mean, like, and yes, I mean, he gets his redemption moment. And that's of, of turning himself into the police, and I think that's just because he's a he's the um, you know the teacher's pet. Mm. That may be the only reason why. Yeah, doesn't really like it. Doesn't really matter. Mm. Like I mean, he does want what he does want, like a resolution. Like I, I yeah, he seems like he generally wants he wanted a peaceful resolution, and he wanted to sort this out. Yeah, but he also knew what, like what he was in. For. He, what he was in and like, mm. yeah, this yeah, is going to happen. He wasn't, yeah. He wasn't ignorant of like what was going on. But, mm. And he did. And you know, he, was he, still, he was still culpable. And he did say, you know, I want to go to prison. Mm. Which that may not work out for him. There's a fair amount of, uh, of, of Nazis in prison. Mm. And <laughs> that's the whole, white gang. Yeah. And a whole bunch of people that aren't Nazis. This is true. You know that whole like, rising black population in prisons. Yeah, there's some, yeah, something about that. It just keeps going up and up and up, in yeah. proportionate of any mm. others. Strange that, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost it's almost like they don't want a specific portion of the population capable of voting in any meaningful election or doing anything. In a mm, meaningful holding, way. holding down jobs or facilitating any kind of social uh, change. Hmm. hmm. Ah, nah, probably nothing. Ah. Uh, well, back to the Nazis. I really, <laughs> I really like, like, this is a good film. And, mm. you know, before, before we started recording, I said, um, you know, Creed is a good film as well. The Creed, you could watch, you're, as you're watching it, you understood and could digest it that it was a good film mm. in this and you sort of un- you knew and you knew where it was going as well yeah absolutely and it was yeah it was a it, you, knew, you knew what the you knew what the beats would be you didn't know exactly like you know 
how they'd get from A to B, but you knew what the main story beats of the film needed mm. to be. Yeah, whereas with Green Room, it is it is a it is a really good film. Mm. But it just you you don't have time to process it. You gotta strap mm. yourself in and you gotta you gotta you gotta deal with it. You gotta deal with this it film. Is, it is an experience in, in that sense. And it's kind of um I mean, gosh, I mean, like, look, I, I mean, I, I saw it on my own. Yeah, I was on my I mean, own I too. I, I, I think I need to, if I was, I think I'd like, I'd like to go back and see it again, but I think I'd absolutely need to like bring like some people with me. I, I can't, I don't think I could do it again on my own. I was, yeah, no, I, this, don't take a date to this film. Mm, unless she's into some really hinky shit, yeah, in which case, do a, um, don't do a first you're date. well in. Don't do a first yeah, date, so probably. You should you know, have had sex feel, at least feel five her, times. Feel her out first. Feel her out. <laughs> you need to have sex five times, I would say, because that way you're starting to understand each other. Starting to is understand the, each other's is that, the official, is that the official mandated number? Yep. Episode five, you need to have – You need if, you, if you're going to take a date to this film, you need to have sex with them at least five times. Five times or like, you know, two hand jobs and one rubbing through the clothes equals like – you know, oh. add it up. Add add it up. However, you, you think, like know. you know, you don't know the the other person from that. That's a purely one sided sort of transaction. You need to know a person from that. You need to know. Well, get I mean, some look, going. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not prejudicing our homosexual listeners, which who could easily jerk each other off in synchronization. That is. I'd true. say that's a pretty intimate act. Good point. I thought, yeah, no, I, no, okay, you got me there. I was, I was thinking yeah. of a purely uh, heteronormative uh, situation. So, mm. yeah, that, that was that's on me. That's on me. There you are. We're learning on air. We're, We're laughing and learning and learning together. Yeah. Okay. And so let it never and let it never be said that this is not a socially progressive channel. <laughs> yeah. So I think you need All to. Right. Yeah, you need to be very intimate with the person. If you're going to go see this with them or someone that you don't give a flying fuck about, that yeah, you just want maybe, them there, maybe. just do the Imogen Poots way of doing things and just don't give a fuck maybe. about this person and then you go. Maybe you want to break up with them. This seems like a very good way. You can say, did you see Anton Yelchin's arm? That's our relationship. Wow. And you can wrap it with all the gaff tape you want, but, uh, Eventually, that relationship's still going to die from blood loss. So we got to sort that out. Pronto. Mm. <laughs> I guess it Good. would take the uneasiness out of a breakup. Mm. I mean, like, that's, a, that's a pretty, like, you know, definitive way of saying, yeah, I think we're through. <laughs> well, there you go. All so right. it could be. There we are. It could bring you. It could. This, uh, this movie could bring you closer as a couple. Mm. Or it could be the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> in the coffin. <laughs> but it is you. You can still see this film on your own. Absolutely, oh, we both did uh, it. We both did it, and we're both still like um, we had to see it because yeah. You know, I mean, like it's I, I guess part we're of okay. this. And yeah, you know, there's no, there's nothing going on. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just. Sorry, I had, I had a moment. Just thinking about thinking about the young man. Oh, man God, the dog. Yeah. Oh. oh, that. Oh, that. Oh, man. His that, throat was, looked like a focaccia. Oh, oh man. A, like a beetroot focaccia. <laughs> God, it was just. It was Shredded so beetroot. Brutal, so brutal. <laughs> It was just the brutality of, of mm. the brutality of this film is well earned. Mm. It's and but I guess Jesus you know, again, again, I'm, again, I'm going to say like it's not exploitative. No, it's every not. every every beat is earned. This is a dramatically tight and, and you, gloriously done movie that you know just written and shot beautifully you know i mean solnia is a cinematographer he didn't shoot this one but he did shoot blue ruin his previous film so i mean which was a gorgeous film like he has an eye he knows what 
he wants. And I'm frankly just uh, super excited to uh, see what uh, his next offering after this is going to be and what colour is going to be in the title. Yeah. Yeah, you had blue, then green. Blue Ruin, green room. So. Red sofa. I was going to say, Marvel's going to pick him up. They're going to do a solo Red Skull film. Oh, God. Hugo Weaving's coming back. Jesus. Or DC will pick him up. I mean, like, I mean, although they have, he's already done green, you know. Yeah. They could get him to do Green Lantern. Well, they could combat, uh, they could combat, uh, they could combat to Black Panther coming out and do Black Thunder. Oh, yeah. Uh, really, he should, get some, or, um, he should get some more uh, screen time. Or, um, you know, get him to direct the uh, Shazam movie. Someone's got to do yeah. that. I mean, it, They've well, got I mean the it's got, Black, Ad- it's, it's, it's got only- Black Adam in it. Hey. I mean, it wouldn't be called Black Adam, but, you know, I mean, basically all I can possibly say That's at the- this point as a, as, a, as a notion of recommendation is that, uh, look, no matter – what uh, your next piece of work is, uh, Jeremy? It couldn't hurt to have Scoot in it. Never hurt. Never hurt to have Scoot in your films. It, Scoot McNary. It didn't hurt Batman versus Superman. Didn't no, hurt it. It helped. It helped it. It goddamn it helped, it. helped it. Didn't hurt Gone Girl. It helped it. Didn't hurt Argo. It helped it. The man is gold. Put him in he your knows films. Knows what needs to be done. Put him in your films. Put him in your, put him in your advertising too. He needs yeah. that money, that, that million-dollar shoot thing. He met, goddamn deserves it. He deserves everything that he's got coming for him. Absolutely. He's a god among men, and I won't have anyone say anything different. And, Scoot, if you're listening, I'm kind of running low on cash. <laughs> Could you help me out? <laughs> uh, Scoot, you don't need to, dude. Like, but I mean, like, well, look, but, we know you but listen. I just know that I, I know that you're a good guy. So, damn good guy. <laughs> While we were talking about Scoot, I did pull mm. up that Sean Porter was the cinematographer for this film. He did, oh, yes. uh, he did uh, Kumiko, the Treasure Hunter, which was quite a fine film. Oh yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It was good. He's been in a. It is a bunch of like short films and all of that. He yeah. hasn't done. He doesn't done a lot because you know Kumiko was only in two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know he's done a lot of shorts, but he's done you know another person to watch. Absolutely, I think this is an entire. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in this. Uh, you know cast that are, you know, cast and crew that are worth watching. I mean, Sonia, mm. we can speak about forever and indeed kind of have already amassed. Like, you know, this is this is a guy that can quite literally go nowhere except up. I mean, Macon Blair, you know, as Gabe, he's been around for ages, but, you know. I reckon his Star whenever, Wars whenever, film. We're going to see him in something like that. You reckon? I reckon his Star Wars. I reckon the uh, – it's – a lot of these people are going to end up within the the Disney Empire because well, all the Anton Yelchin's already been in Star Trek. Yeah, so there you go. So you got that one, and he but and he's been Paramount, and he's been correct. Uh yes, yeah. So it's, and he's and he's also been in the second worst Terminator movie. Well, wait, are we talking about Genesis? Which, how, no, how do think, you rank I th- them? I think I, I think Genesis is worse than Salvation. See, I never saw Genesis, and I only saw about. I think I saw about forty-five minutes of, of Salvation. I think it was. I like mean, like you the know, middle of it. I mean, yes. Look, I mean, Salvation was a bad movie, but at least it was trying to do something different with the the property instead of just another. You know, this is in the modern day. Send some shit back to save some other shit from stuff happening that has already happened, but you know will happen again. Except that won't. I mean, Genesis was terrible because it was just two plus hours of retconning and time travel and fan service and bad effects and Arnie who isn't good at acting anymore. And it just it it reeked from top to bottom. 
Mm. Mm. Yeah, Arnold certainly isn't a um, a Sylvester. No, he's not. A, he's not a good actor. No, he's not. Yeah, he's. I think True Lies was the best acting we see we've seen him do. Mm. I'll stand by that one. I think we've run a course with this one. I think we kind of have. So before we, uh, I mean, wrap things up, we've you know we've we've talked about this film in general, and if we, uh, you haven't already seen it, um, you know, fair listeners. I, I hope this uh, discussion has certainly piqued your interest, even if it has kind of uh, <laughs> spoiled uh, most of the major plot points. I hope it, like, you I don't know, think makes it you ruins interested. Any, anything. No, I don't it. think, it, yeah. Well, okay, so actually looking, like, because I watched the, because tra- I was posting up on social media, like, on, because I had seen the film um, and then I was posting something up on, on our Facebook page, uh, which you all should go and uh, and like. Um, mm-hmm. And I was I was checking out the trailers for it, and the most recent trailer that came up had a lot of the beats of the entire film in it. Mm. Like it was showing which off I, a lot of it. Which I guess is the point that we basically have been making for this entire chat is that um, it's not the it's not the, the story of the movie so much as exactly how the story is executed. Absolutely, yeah, know, yeah. That's it is, and it is masterfully done. Mm. For for a director of only th- like three big films, mm. like he's done small. well. They're they're small films, but they're still much bigger than anything he's done before. And they're just yeah, you know. I've I've not seen the previous the previous two, but this one is fantastic, and it shows mm. it shows a a master of his craft. And I do I hope mean, like- that we see him go even more. Than what he is, yeah. Because only you good know, things. Stay, stay the course. Write his own shit. You know, don't get you know conned into you know salvaging some you know brand new sanitized blockbuster property. We've got enough you know great minds being you know poached for that every day of the week that we don't need another one. Hmm. This is a guy that I really like, whose work is excellent and unflinching in the way that it looks at, um, you know, the human condition. And I want I want this guy making movies that comment on that for, you know, a good many years to come. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with that. He is I, – I want to see stuff like, um, you know, Only Lovers Left Behind uh, from him, like, mm. as he's getting on, like in that sort of calibre of – of film that is talking yeah. about the, the human condition. Yeah. I want to see him like, you know, you know, maybe, you know, sure. Go more grandiose, but go grandiose Paul Thomas Anderson style. Mm. Yeah. Don't go, don't do the, 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 the monsters to Godzilla. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe rogue one. We don't know how that's, that's in, that's in trouble at the moment. Well, they say so. It's difficult to, you know, look yeah. at these things and, you know, find out exactly well, what re- – I mean, all these movies have reshoots and everything like that and, you know, I'm sure they were always planned but it's just whether, like, the, the reason for the reshoots is, you know, benign or actually far more mm. serious than what they want to be letting on. I guess time will only tell. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, so um- – Next week, uh, we're back to – I guess we're back to our regu- regu- regular scheduling with uh, Big Short. We're going to be doing that. Mm. We're, um, we were thinking about uh, doing something uh, new and, and recent again, um, and uh, Mo- uh, Money Monster is coming out, has come out. It actually, it actually just came out on uh, Thursday. Yeah, and um, – you know, we thought maybe we'd do that, but at the same time, um, Big Short uh, seems to tackle a lot of what was go- is going to go on in that film. And I would say, uh, judging by uh, the reviews that uh, we've both read, uh, Big Short does it a lot better. So mm, you know, I think, yeah, I think because it, uh, I guess if I had to sort of announce what I saw as the difference just in terms of the promotional material for Money Monster and, you know, having, you know, seen seen Big Short, you know, last year um, for the, uh, uh, when, it, when it came out in cinemas and obviously we'll uh, revisit it again before we chat next week. But I think the difference is in terms of the uh, uh, handling of the uh, material in the sense that uh, Money Monster 
uses the financial industry basically as a prop or uh, a setting, you know, as an excuse to tell a story, whereas uh, Big Short actually really, you know, quite quite intricately for a, for a big budget film, you know, tackles head on and in quite an exquisite amount of detail exactly, you know, where things went wrong and how they went wrong. Mm. In a very, so, and, in a very unique way for mm. a uh, for a Hollywood film, as only I think Adam McKay could have done as the director, which we can uh, talk about more like next week. This very, very strange marriage of uh, material and director, given like uh, his his past history. Absolutely, yeah. There's a yeah. We are basically uh, a lot to talk mm. about with this, and it's in a, you know, I, I'm very glad we got to do we got to do Green Room. As we've said, go see it, people. This is this is a good film, and your money will be well spent going to see it. Um, Agreed. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so next week, um, get onto uh, Big Short, uh, and uh, and join us join us for that as we discuss it, and uh, and everything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. As always, uh, you can go to uh, from the silver screen. Uh, dot com all of our social media links are there um yeah that's uh, that's pretty much it uh, so thank you for listening everyone and uh thank you see indeed. you next week yeah <laughs>